Now, um, you, before before Dave jumped on, you said that you were you were at a hurricane briefing. Is that in, in your capacity as the 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 po- the poetic <laughs> ambassador? <laughs> yes, they invited me here to read poems about hurricanes. No, rhyme free. It doesn't matter to me. It's my bad poetry. Good day, and welcome to My Bad Poetry, a podcast that Dave and I are still doing somehow. And amazingly, others have been so gracious enough to join us and bring their voices and bad poetry to the conversation. Today, we are joined by the poet ambassador for the Miami-Dade County Mayor's Office in Florida, though I would assume this is outside her official duties. Nicole Tallman is an editor for the Blue Mountain Review and the author of the recently published chapbook, Something Kindred, A Heartbreaking Examination of Grief and Loss. A book that includes the line, I love deep conversations with people I'll never see again. I'm not sure if either of those stipulations will be true here, but Nicole, we are honored to have you in conversation with us today. Well, thank you so much, um, Dave and Aaron, for having me here. It's an absolute pleasure for me. Yeah, this is really cool for us because, you know, we are not great at poetry, but we get to talk to people who actually know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, not only are you a, an author of poetry and an ambassador, but you're also an editor. So you kind of you you know all aspects of the trade here. Yeah, I, I, I do what I can. Yes, to, to be pretty well versed in poetry. So um <laughs> Uh, it's something I've been passionate about since um, I was I was very young. So this is um, it, it took me actually a while, though, to get into poetry. I don't know if, if I told you this or not, but I, I haven't started. I didn't start publishing my poetry until 2020. Oh, I'd wow. written since I yeah, I'd written since I was was very small, but um, I, I didn't actually attempt to publish it until the pandemic. I, I think it might have been a product of feeling my mortality. Mm-hmm. and wanting to get the poetry out there. And um, I also just didn't really feel comfortable publishing it until my mother died, which I don't know if that's strange to admit, but um, it's the truth. Um, and then I, I kind of had the perfect material. I, I wanted to write something to help my, me process my grief um, mm-hmm. over my mother's death. And so I started writing these poems. I, I didn't even know it was actually going to be a book or a, a chat book. I, I just started writing and you know, I put something together and I and I had a, a person reach out to me, Clifford Brooks. He's um, the founder of the Southern Collective Experience. And he, that's the um, press that over that's over the Blue Mountain Review. I'm mm. now a poetry editor there. And um, Clifford just said, hey, I really like um, I like what I've seen. Would you be interested in publishing a book? And I said, well, of course, I, I would love that. <laughs> so um, that's that's how it, it all happened very quickly, I must tell you. Um, I'm very, very fortunate in that. I know there are poets who spend years and years and years putting their work out there, but I just I, something just it just clicked for me. I, I I'm I'm very, very, very fortunate for that. Hmm. Yeah, something kindred is is powerful. Um, well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, and and the mix of of prose and poetry, your interpolations is that the right word? Um, the the confessions that that mm-hmm. are sprinkled throughout that kind of transition between the poems 
they carry a lot of weight, but there's also some humor in there as well, I have to admit, <laughs> um, I, which is strange to say. Um, I don't know. I I was deeply moved by this by this work. Well, I think it's important, um, at least for me personally, I even I, I, I guess I have this tendency, even when stuff is serious, I try to find the light and, and the humor in it. So that was an intentional rhetorical move on my part. I didn't want to leave. I, I think a lot about audience when I'm writing, and I think a lot of it has to do with my background in speech writing and um, just when I'm putting together uh, anything, whether whether it's poetry or it's a speech or a piece of correspondence, I'm always thinking about the audience and how I'm making them feel. And I knew I was taking them through this very heavy grief journey. And so I wanted to find ways to at least lighten it along the way a little bit. And I think you'll notice even towards the end where the last poem I end on is one. I think that's kind of a hopeful poem. Yeah. At least that's my, you know, that that's that's what I tried to achieve with it. You know, focusing one line on a time. I wrote it one line at a time, actually, mm. um, to remind myself of what there was left in this in this world to love while I was grieving. And um, it was a, it was a very, very, um, I, I guess, cathartic exercise for me to go through that. And I had to stop at some point because I had a book that I had to deliver. But that poem could have gone on forever, one line sure. at a time, you know? <laughs> yeah, huh. uh, that's the that's the poem I, I uh, we drew from here with the I love deep conversations. Um, mm hmm. And uh, to bring this conversation into the line of sharing bad poetry, oh. Dave, do you have something for us today? I have a beautiful poem that I worked very hard on, by which I mean a terrible poem that is not very good at all. <laughs> so this is uh, my poem. Again, no title because I can't do titles, apparently, so I'm in trouble. <laughs> Oh, sanitizer, hope for my life. I leave you in my car, safety from the strife. Diaper changes, park trips, the fish slime-covered hand. You save my days, but if only you smelled a little more bland. Wow. Yep. That's, uh, that's beautiful, right? You know, the ode to the car hand sanitizer is needed in this time. <laughs> <laughs> very useful <laughs> that's amazing yeah i actually i actually think it's salvageable i there are parts <laughs> of it i like I, I must tell you it's very relatable i'm not a huge fan of of the rhyming but yeah there, yeah it, i think it could be a prose poem i think literally you could turn that into something. Most, the most forced rhymes in all of history but yeah <laughs> I like how, how Nicole, you're, you're immediately pivoted to your editor's self. And you're like, there's something salvageable there. <laughs> uh, well, Nicole, it's, it's my understanding that um, after hearing our inaugural episode with guests, uh, you may have dug out your own, own old private journals from high school. I don't know if that was inspired by us or not, but we have photos of uh the pages of your private journal from high school so what can, what can you tell us about this journal and these poems that we are about to dive into well 
I feel like they need no introduction, but, <laughs> but, but I will say this. So yes, I was inspired by you. It's something I had been thinking about for a while though. I, I, I just, I had this journal in my mind and I um, had been listening to past episodes of the podcast and I had heard other people um, bringing out their journals and I said, you know, I'm going to try to dig something out. So I found my journal that was given to me as a birthday present by my best friend in high school named Allison um, for my 17th birthday. And it's interesting because this, this journal, I come, like I said earlier, I come from a very small town. So, you know, selections, this was before the internet, you could buy stuff online. So selections were a little limited, but she, you know, she saved her money and she bought me this, this, this journal. It has a, a vase with various grandma kind of flowers on the cover of it. And she, she knew my favorite color at the time was purple. So she wrote here, Nicole, this is to write your truly admirable poetry in. Happy 17th birthday. A lot with of a, hope in there. That's good. Yeah, right? With affection, Allison. So, oh. you know, she's never seen the poems that I've written in this journal. <laughs> but but it, there's something lovely about the fact that I remember writing poems similar to the two that I'm going to read for you. And, and my friends thinking they were just outstanding, telling me what an amazing poet I was, how gifted, asking me if I would read, if I would write and read their eulogies when they died. We were a little dark and goth, obviously. And I said, oh, yes, of course. So I, I have two very short poems for you that I would say are some of my finest words from my <laughs> teens. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I was, I was, you know, I've always been a little, I would say dark in certain ways. And I was very inspired by Emily Dickinson. Now, I don't know if you're going to be able to see any correlation between Emily and me when I read you these poems. And I don't know that I'm going to get through them without bursting into laughter, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try to to compose myself so i can read them for you yeah um, how about we do it one at a time if uh do, <laughs> do either of these they they look like they don't have titles am i right they they don't because emily dickinson didn't have titles oh right. that makes right. the connection okay right and i okay. thought i was emily i thought i was emily dickinson that's I also yeah, that's also why I didn't title mine. I'm, oh, right, I'm right. the modern yes. Emily yep. Dickinson. Right, totally. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I see that. So yeah, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll read them separately for you. The first one is, is I think, extra special because I wrote it on Christmas Day. In oh, I 19- didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah, you see oh. at the bottom where it says yes. December 20, 25th, 1994. <laughs> <laughs> This is awesome. Okay. So so that makes it, I think, just even better that this was going through my mind on Christmas in 1994. <laughs> so this is my, my, my first untitled poem for you. Bitter, bitter, filled with anger, enraged feelings thrive inside, cringing, tensing, almost exploding until I find my peace of mind. Beautiful, right? I, I mean, my friends. I know if I read this to them now, they would give me a standing ovation, just like they did when I was seventeen. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so um, first impressions. I I do. 
I mean, I noticed that you're you're not exactly you're not doing full rhymes, but there's like bitter anger, um, mm-hmm. thrive and side, um, find and mind. So there's right. there's some, um, if if not complete rhymes, there's assonance there. Um, but <laughs> I was half expecting it to be more uh, Macbeth, more uh, bitter, bitter toil and trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to dive into why why on Christmas Day. Do you have any clue? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Um, I just think this was a general teen angst kind of thing. I'm not. I don't recall anything in particular happening on this Christmas. <laughs> I think I was just moody, <laughs> generally speaking. So I, I'm telling. I will say that you know, at that it was an age where I think that I was struggling a lot with my sexual orientation. Hmm. And um, I think that this might have been one of my ways of getting those feelings out without really saying what they were. So growing up in a really small town, people in the 90s didn't necessarily talk about being gay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this might have been one of my ways of expressing those feelings without actually saying what was going on with me. So I think this might've been a a little bit about that. Totally. Yeah. Um, that, that actually brings a lot of, of light to this. Right. That opens this up quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah. Cause then that last line, like I, as cis het white guy, it's not an experience I, I would be able to understand, but I think that, you know, I also grew up in a small town just being uh, different from other people, I struggled to find words to put that uh, put to like who I was and who I wanted to be and who I wanted others to think I was. Um, so that last line actually now kind of speaks to me in a new way. Finding that peace of mind, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um... Yeah, and then enraged feelings that thrive inside. Um, uh, were you still fully closeted at that time? or? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, up until I was about 21 years old. I went through college and everything, and then it was really in my when I was, when I was 21 where I actually had a, a conversation with my parents and told them what was going on. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you're going through high school especially, it's a really, you know, there's a lot of pressure. Um, right. I was an only child as well. Um, so I think that there was extra pressure on me to be the perfect child. And I just, I always strove to do everything that I could to, to deliver that, you know, I, I I did beauty pageants. I was a cheerleader. Um, you know, I dated the, the captain of the basketball team, all these things that, you know, girls are supposed to do right back in that time, um, to be perfect and accepted. And so, yeah, I think, um, (laughs) yeah. I, I, there was just, you know, there, there was a lot going on at that time in my life for sure. And I didn't know what to do with it. I was confused. Like, I, I, I mean, I can remember being, being six years old and being attracted to girls, but I didn't know what to do with it because it's not like it was something that was modeled on TV or that I knew people, right. Who were gay. And so I just, I didn't quite know what to do with it. I really didn't. So I would just, you know, I would, I would go, I would date boys and just kind of think, oh, I'm going to, you know, eventually this, I'm going to feel this attraction that I'm supposed to feel, but it just, it just never happened. (laughs) And then once I got to college, I, that's when I was really introduced to people who were LGBTQ. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then I started to say, oh, okay, well, you, you, you see other people who um, have similar feelings, and then you start to feel like it just might be okay to express those feelings. So yeah, college was a really pivotal time for me, I think, to be able to understand what was really going on. Yeah. So your 17-year-old self um, wasn't there yet, just didn't have the experiences <laughs> So it comes out in this lovely work here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> now you've kind of convinced me that this has like uh, substance. Yeah, to to borrow a line from someone uh, I know, there's something redeemable in this. Yes, I think we could <laughs> workshop this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God, no! I don't know that I really Oh my goodness. What I love what I love about this is you sign it. Right? <laughs> because I thought I was so good that someone was going to want this one day. Like this I was I was building my archive so that when I was a famous poet people would 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 see the development, the progression of my poetry. And I this was an autographed piece that I was leaving for my fans in my mind when I was 17. I remember doing that intentionally, really thinking that it was going to be important, like an archival piece at some point. And you know it would be worth more because it happened on Christmas Day. There'd be that there'd be that um, mystique around it. Like what what present like dis- disappointed her? Exactly. (laughs) It's very intentional. No, but I really I did this very, very frequently. I just picked out two of them for you because they both made me they were the ones that made me laugh the most. But I did this almost every day. I have a ton of these little notes. Oh, wow. What is this? um, This is kind of completely off topic. What is this? uh, It's it's like a profile of a face. (laughs) It with the like wavy a hair yeah <laughs> so so that was the standard uh, michigan 90s um I, what do you call this like it was just a, it was just a little it was just a little design that i that, that actually was on quite a lot of stationery huh. i don't know if you've ever yeah if you've ever seen it before but yeah it was just like a little 90s cool little little design motif on, on, that was that was kind of common on. I remember I, again, small town, mm-hmm. limited <laughs> limited wow. options and supplies. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I thought I actually now that I look at it, I kind of like it. I think it's kind of cool, kind of retro cool. Yeah, it's, it's very minimalist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm looking here. Our next poem is is over a year. Uh, mm-hmm. Later, so we get to see the advance in your <laughs> poetic <laughs> abilities. Oh, one thing before we, we before we move on to the second one, I do want to acknowledge you at least kind of edited your poetry. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember if that was during the the period of writing, or did you come back to these poems? So I think I did that while I was writing it. Okay. Sometimes I couldn't I couldn't decide which word I wanted. So I'd write like um, like three or four different words and then I'd decide which one I wanted later. So yeah, I still am not clear on which word I wanted in that second poem. Um, I think it was confused though, even though I'm crossing it out. I think confused was what I wanted. 
So okay. I don't know because yeah. I'm boggling, puzzling, you know, I don't know. But but whatever. Confused is, is what I would go with is my final edit there, even though there's a lot of like scribbling and crossing out. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let's go with that then. Um, let's let's hear this second poem with confused as your final edit. OK. Complicated is my life. Often confused and melancholy, like freshly woven spider webs and tangled vines of ivy okay we get a direct rhyme there we do melancholy ivy mm. ah fine <laughs> yeah i didn't quite i didn't quite hit on that one but i, I do know. like the i like the imagery i must say i think the imagery is is solid mm-hmm. yeah some nice similes there woven spider webs and tangle vines of ivy Nice. Um, I just, I just think of Avril Lavigne. That's <laughs> just my generation. Oh my god! <laughs> that just shows my generation. It's like the, the minute the word "complicated" comes up, I'm, oh, I'm wow. singing it in my head. There. <laughs> well, you know, I think I was ahead of my time. You actually, were. you know, yeah. yeah, Avril Lavigne kind of stole from you there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> so May 5th, uh, 1995. Any any idea? I, I think it goes back to the same thing I was talking to you about earlier. I think this is this was my first. Um, I would have been in college now. OK. Um, yeah. And I think that I was. Uh, again exploring the you know what the process you know, i guess reconciling my my feelings um surrounding my my sexual identity i think that 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 is what this poem is about um and having you know and having feelings for people and not knowing how to tell them either that you had feelings for them because especially you know it, um it, it's, it's it's a very difficult thing i mean when you're when you're attracted to someone of the of the of the same sex, you don't know for sure whether or not they're going to return those feelings, right? Um, mm-hmm. And especially when you um, develop friendships with people, sometimes mm-hmm. there's it can become very confusing when when you start to when you have friends and then you might start to feel like feelings for your friends, right? It's it's a really really difficult conundrum to be in so I think at this point I was starting to experience that where I was starting to have attractions to people who were my you know supposed to be female friends and knowing that they were straight and that obviously wasn't going to work and trying to reconcile like and whether or not to tell them about it um Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. I think I think that's that that was uh, what was was predominantly going on at at this stage yeah. This is actually a really good conversation to be having because we're in Pride Month. I thought yeah, the same exactly. thing. I was like, how <laughs> serendipitous. Um, I yeah. love that. Yeah. It's reminding me of, again, coming from a small town myself, the panic that I had in high school as a theater guy, as someone who really enjoyed musicals and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, like, getting to uh, uh, being close friends with guys and going, am I gay? And kind of the the difficulty of my family being a little more repressed around all of these things. 
And that not being something I could even entertain, let alone talk to anybody about. Um, I feel like this is a little bit speaking to me in that. That's, mm. yeah. Very interesting. I, I would say that college is that same experience for me of, of getting to know people in the LGBT community and, and finally kind of learning like, oh, it's just something that should be talked about normally. Right. Something that I fundamentally misunderstood when I was in high school. Yeah. Small town Midwest is uh, not the best place for having those conversations. No. And hopefully it's getting better. Yeah, I, th I think it may be. I, I have even noticed I, I do go back to Michigan at least once a year. And going to Grand Rapids specifically, I have noticed quite an evolution Mm. in in the development of and, and also seeing more people and, and actually seeing a gayberhood. I was surprised to see that the last time I went to visit. There was a there was a clear section of the city that had LGBTQ flags. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was it was like a, a little gayberhood. And, and that to me was I can remember there were gay clubs and there was actually a gay bookstore, but they were you know, in a little seedier sections of town mm. and they were very, very hush hush. Right. Um, and, and people didn't necessarily really talk about going there, but it, there seemed to be a lot more openness. It is a very, very um, Dutch reformed mm -hmm. Catholic mm -hmm. as well type of area. So there is a little bit of um, it's a very family oriented type of environment, I think, um, in Michigan, for the most part, in, in, the, in the sections of it that I'm referring to. Mm -hmm. But I do I do see um, greater openness than I did before. And also a diversity of people, you know, I, I, growing up there, it was predominantly white. And you're starting to see a lot more people of color. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that it's just diversifying in a lot of different ways, not just for lgbtq but for i i guess just greater acceptance of people from varying backgrounds not being so what's the word that i want not really i guess you know homogenous but also like not being so do i want to say xenophobic i don't mm -hmm. know not having a little bit more openness to people who are different and openness to change than what i saw when i was growing up there yeah, yeah. well and that's that's the beauty of the world opening up in that way people who get to meet uh or straight people who get to meet gay people or cis people who get to meet trans people and just understand oh they're just a person like me there's less of that fear and that goes for i still live in a small town and being able to see people of color around i this sounds really bad my wife and i were worried moving to a small town that we would be raising our kids in a racist environment because mm. there wasn't a lot of diversity and we were afraid that not being able to expose him to people of color might lead down a bad road. Um, and I'm, I'm a little ashamed to, uh, to have to say, but I didn't know that there were as many people of color in my community as there actually are because our community is still relatively segregated, mm -hmm. um, which makes it really complicated. But we hope that the world is getting better, that we're making progress towards equality and hopefulness. But that's kind of uh, kind of the complicated nature of the world.
Like this poem. See, I brought it back to the <laughs> yeah, poem. I'm a genius. Back. You're welcome. <laughs> Nicole, I have a question. Why why freshly woven spider webs? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It sounded good. <laughs> At least in my 17 or 18, because I guess I was 18 years. Um uh, yeah, my 18-year-old had freshly woven spider webs and tangled vines of ivy. It just it, sometimes I don't choose for precision. I choose based on how it sounds, and I sure. think at that time it sounded good to me. I, yeah, I love I love the sound of it, but like freshly doesn't sound melancholy to me. Like I think of like a drab, uh, like almost cobweb in a corner. That's melancholy. <laughs> I think of freshly woven spider webs as like that's shining with the silver dew and um <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh man, I wish we could we had enough time to to dive into your exploration of um French poetry. Well, we can we can we can uh table that for a, a different time. You know, yeah. I've got plenty of bad poetry, <laughs> so if you ever want me to return and read some more for you, I'm I'm, I'm it's my pleasure to do that for you. Oh, that would that would be um that would be amazing. Yeah. I'm almost thinking we should do like an an open mic with all of our previous guests just like <laughs> sharing bad poetry after bad poetry. But... <laughs> That would be a really cool reading, actually. I, I would love to do that. I, that I think really it would be fun. really cool to get us all together and do a bad poetry reading. You know, we just have to, sometimes we just have to have reasons to laugh. And oh, also yeah. it helps us to see the progress. I, I As I was telling um, you earlier when we were, when we were warming up, um, I, I, I really enjoy seeing how I've progressed as a poet um, from that time <laughs> until now. <laughs> <laughs> So to me, I'm kind of proud to read these bad poems for you because <laughs> <laughs> I got that out of my system. And now I think I can write some pretty decent ones. I mean, I'll let other people be the judge of that. But I think I think I've progressed at least a little bit here over the years. I would think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I I can say from my um, unprofessional opinion, but from reading something kindred, it um, leaps and bounds better than uh, than my Emily Dickinson face. You know, <laughs> yeah. Not to knock your your seventeen year old self, but I think I think you have improved. <laughs> Thank you. I, that means a lot coming from you. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> um, before before we let you go, um, one of your reviewers used a phrase that I had never heard. Um, a, a poetry term that I've never, or maybe it's not even a poetry term. It's a literary term I've never heard before. And maybe you can um, shed some light on to Belle, Belle Lettre. Am I, I'm, I butcher French, but. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, about, if, if we were to say in English, just Belle Lettres, it's basically um, a particular style that's written primarily for an aesthetic effect. Um, I, I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but it, it means beautiful or fine writing is the direct translation of it. But in, in, a, in a more narrow sense, it's usually works that that don't necessarily fall into a, like a specific literary genre, but mm. they're very focused on their aesthetic effect. OK, so this um, this combination of prose and confession and poetry, um, your reviewer. Oh, Richard Blanco. Richard Blanco, yeah. 
There we go. Richard Blanco, presidential inaugural poet, calls this collection something kindred, uh, beautiful writing. Bella 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 Tres. It's okay. We know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> no, my sister's probably just rolling her eyes when she hears this. Um, yeah. Well, Nicole, we know that you have other obligations and more important places to be, but we have been honored to have you here. Oh, I spelled here wrong. Oh, gosh. How embarrassing. Honored. No one can see it. Yeah, that's true. No, we're going to post this just so that everybody can see how good Aaron is at spelling. Oh, gosh. Uh, we have been honored to have you here unofficially representing the office of the mayor of Miami-Dade. But before you leave here at My Bad Poetry, we end each week with the words of a true poet. So would you be willing to share one of your poems from Something Kindred with us today? Absolutely. I, it would be my pleasure. I think I'm going to choose, since I, I read you some shorter poems, I'm going to choose a, a shorter one as well. Sure. This one's called On Finding Your Ashes in My Suitcase. Mm -hmm. And um, this is for my mother, Nancy. It's unfortunately based on a true story. So... Mm -hmm. On finding your ashes in my suitcase. I think you would laugh if I told you. Your urn exploded somewhere during my flight back to Miami. And when I got home, I found you spilled your ashes all over the inside of my luggage. Actually, it was your luggage. The Liz Claiborne zebra print carry-on with the dragon fruit interior. The flight was oversold, so I was forced to check you in your luggage. What kind of monster makes a grieving daughter check? her own mother wow <laughs> yeah um i i feel awful saying this but when i read this um i did laugh uh the, oh you should yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> like, the minute i to. got to the line your urn <laughs> exploded somewhere <laughs> i was just like oh no <laughs> well and that that's just so cool like it's a it's a beautiful like i didn't know whether to laugh or like <laughs> to sympathize or to cry or i it was that's a fascinating poem and i'm so sorry that that happened yeah that's yeah i am too oh yeah it was really terrible but yeah. i tried to find a way to make it better and with something kindred the book was a continuing conversation with my mother and it was like me telling her these things that i I, I think she would, would find funny mm -hmm. or that I think she would want to know. Um, in this case, I was just imagining myself telling my mother, I cannot believe this happened. I had your urn in my suitcase when I was flying back to Miami and the damn thing exploded <laughs> and I got home and your ashes are all over my clothes. Yeah. I mean, she would, she would, she would have laughed. She would have for sure laughed. And I, and I wanted to tell her that. And also, you know, in the, in the moment it was very traumatic, but Huh. You know, I look back on it now and I say, you know, that was um, that was a that was a rare moment. How often does that happen to people? My yeah, goodness. Right. Yeah. You know, so I had to turn it into something. But yeah, your reaction is perfectly, perfectly <laughs> legitimate. I mean, I was I was expecting that people would would probably laugh. Huh. Um, and I and I and I wanted them to. Well, Something Kindred is an amazing book that came out this year, right? Yes. February of 2022. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it can be 
found? Uh, you can buy it Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Target, and then or directly through the press, the Southern Collective Experience Press. And it's best to go through the press. Again, Nicole, this has been great. I know you got to go, but this has been My Bad Poetry. Now go write your own bad poetry. Good luck, especially um, with the in-laws. <laughs> Thank you. You can you can you can cut that out. But... Oh no, we're leaving that in. Leaving that, that stays. In That's the end tag. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, thank you both so much yeah, again. Bye, Nicole. Bye, bye. Bye. Take care. Rhyme free does matter. It's my bad poetry.